DJ Honky Wonky on the on the ones and twos. Yes, this is the Ryan Show FM. Mr. Cheeks, hip hop legend in the house as per norm. Cheeks, how are you, brother man? Hey, thanks. Solid gold, baby. Good to see my brothers. Good to know we're back at it. Another Monday. Another we Monday. We're in the building, baby. It's one of those type of nights. This is a 420 sensation. We've got two 420 legends here in the Zoom chat tonight. But one is a hip-hop legend. One is a professional wrestler, actor. I, if, to my knowledge, I believe he's one of the first wrestlers to do like radio or have a podcast way back in the day, over 10 years ago. Um, but... I mean, honestly, one of my heroes, one of the guys that made it okay for me to enjoy one of my lifelong hobbies. And yes, it is a medicine. And this guy's been sure to push it and make it mainstream even when it wasn't cool to do so and could even put, put your career and reputation in jeopardy. So for that, we must thank you. We have WWE champion, ECW champion, one of the all-time greats here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, give it up for the one and only RVD Mr. Monday Night Rob Van Dam is on the Ryan Show FM. R-B-D. Very good to be here. Very good to be me. You got Mr. Monday Night on this Monday night. Uh, assuming uh, this is Monday. It's Monday, right? The illusion was broken a long time ago. So, yeah, uh, it's it's whatever day that it is now on this station. But, yes, here we're recording on Monday night. So it only makes sense to have Mr. Monday Night on on a Monday night when we record. That's great. I want to give a big, big secret away. And, uh, you know, like if we're trying to do this live, I just f- it up. Go ahead and edit that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good. We got good editors for that. And, uh, and I got to ask you, first and foremost, RVD, how are you doing tonight? Dude, uh, so good, man. Life just gets better and better. And uh, I'm really stoked about this year, 2021. You know, I felt a big change in the energy. And, and I just knew that uh, I, I just couldn't, you know, I, I follow the my relationship with the universe. I've done it for a long time. As that grows, so does the uh, quality of life. And uh, this year, a lot of things are coming together. A lot of things that are long time full circle coming together like things that have been in the in the making for uh years and years and years and they're coming together and it's all just so perfect you know you can't you can't rush a lot of stuff everything does happen when it's supposed to man in 2021 it's happening so i hope you're feeling it i'm feeling the energy i'm feeling it right now i'm feeling good that got me looking at 2021 in a different way that's the energy. That's the way to do it. Cause you got some people like negative and morose. Like you're, like you said, there's all these things coming together. The energy's right. That's the spirit. That's what I like to hear when we have people on here. So what do we have going on? What's coming together in 2021 and when's your next match? My, my next match is April 3rd in uh, Wisconsin, Stevens point, Wisconsin for frontline pro is the, uh, okay. name of the- is it open to the public? For anyone out there? Uh, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, that's that's funny you mentioned that because it's coming up soon. But I guess I should keep in mind that, you know, uh, plans still do change. So maybe I, you know, maybe I better keep that in mind. That it's Who knows if, uh, you know, if the numbers go back up and then, then we have to, you know, pull back a little bit. But I don't see that happening, though. This will be the first event that I've done in front of people in a long, long, long time. We had Gerald Briscoe on here recently, and he thinks that wrestling, the product, is going to be better when the fans get back 
because now everybody's had all this practice wrestling without fans being there. So now he thinks that everybody's kind of had to step it up. Would you say you feel the same way? Do you think it's going to be kind of like a renaissance when it returns and they start fighting in front of crowds again? Um, you know, I, I hope so. You know, that that's a, a good, a good way to, uh, to, uh, you know, to hope for things to happen. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the, uh, it seems like they're just, uh, everything they're doing right now, it seems like they're killing the business more and more, <laughs> you know, yeah. from my, from my perspective, you know, being old school. So, so I don't know if killing something is good for it, you know, um, but you know, but I guess we, like, it was good when they killed Jesus Christ, right? Things got way better for everybody, you know. Nuts. And as a fan, I know what you're talking about because it's sports entertainment. I get it, but it still needs to be believable. And it gets to a point where when there's a guy running around with his hands in his pocket, kicking people, it's just not entertaining or believable enough. Even like movies, you know, they have to be believable to a certain extent if that's the kind of genre that you're looking for. And that's what wrestling was built on was that type of authenticity. It was like you were watching a real fight and for a long time, people didn't even know that it was fixed. And I know that people were probably giving the Attitude Era guys the same slack when you see guys like Undertaker pretend to be dead people, but the ass whooping seemed a lot more real and authentic, even though uh, it was coming from a dead person. And you couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell me that he didn't come back to life. Like when he woke up out of the casket, like you couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell me ECW, you couldn't tell me that what you were doing wasn't real. Well, they were, they pretty much were doing some insane stuff over there. Uh, yeah, nobody ever asked us if we ever hit each other in ECW. Um, yeah, yeah you, definitely. Yeah, the, the, I mean, you're right, and, and and of course I, you know, agree. Uh, you know, I can explain it from an inside, you know, from uh, but I don't really, you know, you guys aren't wrestlers, but I, I'll tell you like this though. Uh, you know, there, there, there's been a uh, a, a big um, a break in a gap between the old school and the style that there is right now before the pandemic, there's so many organizations. It's like territorial again, so many different groups uh, all all across the world. And so there's never been an easier time for fans to get into the business. And of course that's going to dilute the product somewhat just right there. Not everybody can be trained by the original sheik like I was a lot of a lot of the wrestlers now, they watched RVD growing up, and so uh, they want to do all my moves, but they never got the training to put the mindset in them that the Sheik gave me. And um, and, and I noticed that a lot. You know, back then, um, it used to be protect the business was the number one rule, and now, you know, it, now it's more about here's what we could do if we didn't have to protect the business. Yeah. And it's, it's, but it's, it's crazy, but what... Uh, how much they give away of their magic and then and then still want you to be, you know, uh, amazed when they do the trick after they've already shown you there's a there's a hole in the bottom of the hat. Look, I'm gonna put my hand through it. Yeah. It's uh it's it's changing, you know, but um but fans still love it, you know. So it's it's going in a direction one way or the other. But but uh there's but also the talent is on uh, a whole new level, you know, not that long ago, there was room for some guys that really 
weren't that good. The fans wouldn't get behind them and say, what's this, you know, lump of crap doing in the ring? And, and, and then, you know, sometimes that lump of crap is beating all their favorite wrestlers because they're really trying to push this down your throat, make it work. Mm -hmm. And then they up on it. And that used to happen all the time, but now, uh, you got to be like really, really good, even just to have any spot on TV. There's no room for those guys anymore. They they can't hang with the stars. The jobbers, the jabronis, yeah. <laughs> as they say. Wow, I never really looked at it that way. It's true, and it's not just wrestling. Like fans, it's like a, there's not as many fans now. There's more creators. Everybody's an Instagram star. Everybody's a rapper. Everybody's a wrestler. I never really thought about how diluted it just makes the product. It's a really good point. So. WWE, the ratings were at an all-time low in December of 2020. And I think it gets to a point, like we were just mentioning, with, with, uh, with the believability. And one great part about the Attitude Era was that it was designed for teenagers and for kids that were, like, getting older. Like, they grew up watching Hulk Hogan, and then, you know, they kind of transitioned into that whole Attitude Era. Like, the wrestler, wrestling kind of grew with that generation, with our generation. All, all of professional wrestling. I mean, there was WCW, ECW. They're all, you know, all huge. It wasn't really just... Like WWE now has it, and there's AEW now. But back then, it was like, you know, is that fight for Monday night? But that, but that being said, um, like now, I feel like it's the similar thing where the kids are starting to grow up, and I feel like it's one of those times where they could make it more of a PG thirteen product and try to capture like everybody's attention, and not just for you know the children that are out there. So, is there any chance that uh, that will? And also, there was a, there was an article that I read in which you made some type of a tweet in response. To exactly that, if, if the WWE were to switch up and start becoming more adult-themed. And I thought to myself, if that does actually happen and the WWE switches over, you are the perfect legend to bring back to usher in that era. So, I mean, if they do make that transition into a more adult-themed version of what they're doing now, is there a chance that we'll get to see a return of RVD in WWE? Hmm. Well, um, there's something, you know, you, you got, you covered a lot of ground there, but um, back to the credibility, uh, something, something that you probably wouldn't take this into mind because, what you do, but there used to be so many different uh, companies, also different styles. And like when in Japan used to be a really big part of uh, most wrestlers uh careers i don't know if it was most wrestlers but it seems like like everybody that was at a certain uh level of success you know at least spent some time in japan and and in japan there was so many uh different companies but the top two companies over there uh were all and that was wwf and wcw here you know in the 90s um i i all and wrestling and uh, it was the most like WWE, but uh, it was it was so competitive. Um, like first off, they, they don't they don't even speak English. You know, um, often mm. often when you're starting out and learning, they they, they put you like in uh, a lot of uh, tag matches. A lot of times, like maybe eight man tag matches and stuff, so that you know. They can tag you out and, and uh, take care of you that way uh, while you're getting experience, stuff like that. But uh, Sabu and I were wrestling uh, Akiyama and, uh, and Abori, and 
uh, we both legitimately wanted the same position on the card. You know, we wanted those tag belts. And uh, and by the way, I, I don't know how I don't think that most wrestlers ever like losing. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, when you think about it, it's like a lot. You know, you can call it. Uh, you know, some people try to call it. You know, make it seem like like it's just acting, but at the same time, you're you're uh, strategically laying out the pathway of your career yeah. by by each choice every night and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, there, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but Sabu and I are wrestling Akiyama and, and Amori. And before the match, Sabu says to me, he says, Hey, um, let's try and keep him over in our corner. And, uh, you know, kind of like try and cut the ring off in half and, and not let, you know, get one, cause you get one guy at a time. Don't let him tag his partner and let's keep doing a lot of quick tags in and out so that we're, we're fresh and we'll try and blow what we call blow them up, you yeah. know, try and like, uh, try and get him winded and this was you know this is for real this is sabu and i plotting against these two guys that that's were, wild that were both working with. And, and we're you know it's sabu saying you know every if it, uh if he has if he starts to put me in a move if either one of them starts to put me in a submission move, just come on in and break it up <laughs> pick him and uh and it, it <laughs> Same thing over there. It was that competitive, and they wanted the tag belts, and so did we. And we knew that one of us was going to get into that position, and it was it was so competitive. And so when we're out there with them, um, you know, you're wrestling around with them. You, you do want to outshine them. You want to look better than them um, from that competitive mindset. So just wanted to say, you know, that's a lot of stuff that you probably wouldn't take. You know, why would you? You wouldn't. You have to experience that in order to really under understand that, and that's just and that's just part of it, you know. But um, the uh, I, I don't know what direction WWE is doing, and I don't know what kind of uh, tease you saw, um, you know. But I, I did say that right now the schedule is easier than it's ever been because with the pandemic, nobody's doing all those uh, road shows. I, I I'm. I would never go back to that to being on the road full time. Like I said years ago that I was done with that. And now I'm even more done <laughs> with that than I was there. Dude, I, I'm, I'm amazed that you're still pulling off all those maneuvers. Cause you know, we grew up watching you. You were known for insane athleticism doing flips yep. and rolls and you're still out there doing it right now. So, I mean, Hey, I guess we can, we can attribute it towards the line of CBD. Well, it, you know, it, uh, it's part of the lifestyle, so you know you can't ar can't argue with uh, with the success rate. Yeah, um, the uh, you know, CBDs are in marijuana. I don't know if people know this or not, but if you if you're smoking a joint like like normal, you know, uh, marijuana has over a hundred different elements that are specific to the plant called cannabinoids, and CBD is one of them. So. Uh, we only talked about THC for years and years and years. And, and that's because the government wanted us to prohibit it so that the rich could get richer. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. That, so that the comp big companies like pharmaceuticals, alcohol, tobacco, the prison systems, also they can make more money. They wanted marijuana to be prohibited. So it's been illegal to study it. But now we're starting to legalize it state by state, even though even though the, uh, um, according to the federal stance, it's still a schedule one controlled substance, which means zero medicinal value, even though we got like 33 states and the district of Columbia, uh, you know, they have medicinal programs. And when we get to two thirds, it's supposed to mandate a change federally. Mm -hmm. anyway. But 
either way, it's ridiculous that their stance is still that it's the most dangerous drug. Most people know that it, that that's funny, but they don't know that that really is still the stand Richard Nixon set in 1970. But anyway, so all we knew about it was, they, you know, it gets you high and it's for losing whatever they, whatever they told you about it. Now that we're studying it, we can grow it and we can grow it so that uh, all the different uh, proponents of it are more dominant. And, uh, and there's others, you know, that'll, that'll be less, that'll, uh, that you'll get, that'll, uh, um, lessen. So you can grow a plant so that, uh, the CBD is dominant and the THC is, you know, minuscule, like the, the, whatever the state says, the percentage. It's amazing. So it's been there. So we're utilizing the different parts of the plant because, uh, uh, and we're finding out what parts really gave us the effects. Some of the effects we desire, some of them, some people don't. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, they'd say, don't smoke the seeds. You'll lose your sperm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'd I always remember that. Get rid of the seeds. It's funny you, you say all that about the cannabinoids. We had recently on a grower, and I guess like a scientist, really, that that's what he does is he experiments and he raises certain levels of CBD. So just for the ordinary average listener, like really like me that doesn't know too much about this, like what is another cannabinoid that you think in the future people really might be, uh, you know, using as a medicine besides CBD? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, CBG is a popular one. A lot of people aren't familiar with that unless they're... Which, what was that name? What, what? Industry. Um, CBG, kind of like CBG. a... As far as, uh, it, it, it's an early stage element. Uh, but the CBG can become a CBD or THC, the CBN. Um, and, uh, and, and also, you know, like, like your, your friend that you're talking about there, sometimes just the right combination from one to, you know, 50% this, 50% that, or, uh, or even a further break breakdown will, can, can get you the desired results. And it's gonna, it's a science pretty soon, you know, people are going to be able to say, you know what, I want to, I want an elevated mood. I want to feel kind of lifted, but I don't want to, you know, be giggling. I don't want to lose my focus. I, I you know, uh, I want the pain to go away but I don't want the munchies and, and, and really like everything has its purpose and, it, uh, and it, it's manipulating our own systems. We have the uh, endocannabinoid system inside of us and that's what we use to do a lot of the things that we get results mm-hmm. from when we add the uh, cannabinoids to it. That We use our own system when we change our moods and we're mad and then we get over it and we're like, oh, that's cool. We shrug it off. That, that's the, that's, but it does everything though. I mean, all the way up to uh, bone density and metabolism, but there's a uh, there's two um, there's two of the endocannabinoid systems in us, and uh, the CBD or the THC, uh, they both latch on to the receptor and, and manipulate it. You know, and it makes me think, like you know, knowing it's so beneficial, and you've gone out and you've spoken about this publicly, that it's almost I wouldn't call it a performing enhance a performance enhancing drug. But people go out there and they smoke pot before wrestling matches or before they throw a perfect game. So from your experience, how does marijuana make you improve athletically? Yeah, so um, I, I look at it like you know, if you use it uh, productively, responsibly, and, and you really learn to uh, um, you know, get the best out of it, I, I call it a life enhancer. And for me, you know, I've looked at it um, and, and described the athlete's point of view about 
specifically what it does, you know, with uh, uh, taking my mind off the pain, whatever. But it's really a spiritual um, enhancer for me. And that's, uh, you know, the mind, body and spirit are all connected. And it, I'm at my best when my uh, spiritual vibration is at its highest. So um, by by dis by disconnecting my focus from a sore knee and from an upset stomach, you know, say you got to wrestle. You've been traveling all night. You haven't slept. Were like you get, were you smoking before matches? Oh yeah, nice. Okay. Well, I, I, I always yeah. wanted to see what the back what the locker room was like. You know, just <laughs> always wanted to see what when they walk behind the curtain. You know what yeah. was going on back there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of times internationally, I'll I'll smoke in the dressing room, but usually, yeah. you, usually I'll go outside, out back or something. But it does depend on the venue. That's um, why you're flying so high. Yeah, <laughs> the highest. I always thought you would have whooped John Claude Van Damme's ass too when I was younger. Oh yeah, easily because <laughs> he's doing it. That was like. That was like my argument when I was younger. I used to always say, "Hell yeah, RVD would have whooped his yeah. ass." Come on, <laughs> whooped his ass. So, and, and this is a perfect time. We're gonna play a little bit of music, come back, and go into those early origins because there's a reason why you're called Rob Van Dam. We're gonna get into that when we get back. We've got legendary RVD in studio. Light it up, light it up, light it up. I know you've got it. You're driving around. Enjoy yourself like we are here on the Ryan Show FM, and follow RVD on Instagram. Uh, Rob, what's your Instagram handle? The Real RVD. The Real RVD. There you have it. Mr. Cheeks, Hammers Dave, and myself, Ryan Vernell, in studio, Honky Wonky on the ones and twos, and we will be back. We have returned Honky Wonky on the ones and twos, which can only mean one thing. This is the Ryan Show FM with your host, Ryan Vernell, Mr. Cheeks in studio, Hamptons Dave in studio, and the one and only RVD is in studio tonight with us. And, uh, and Rob, what are you smoking on these days? Like, I need a nice recommendation. What type of, uh, what type of buddy rolling up over there? No, oh, I, I don't remember what this is. I, I, uh, I have like my favorite weed that I've had like in years, and I and I don't know what it is because I I went to the sesh. They have these uh these uh the call them sesh private. You know, um, it's it's like a flea market. Uh, it's like weed. a flea market, yeah. Yeah, full of weed, and everyone everyone on the table. A lot of them have this. will have the same stuff. Hey, we got we got runs. We got you know thin mints. We got you know Bubba Kush, whatever. Um, I, I smell it, you know, and then I'm like. <laughs> awesome. You know, how much is that? All right, cool. Let me come back. So after a while, I forget. I forget. And they didn't label it. But I but man, it, it's it's so good. Like it puts me in such a good mood. I had a, a signing yesterday. <laughs> uh, Katie and I did a, an appearance. It was supposed to be two hours. And there were so many people. It was uh, five hours before we got out of it. Yeah, it's crazy. But That's the fan, but one fan came up and he said, dude, you ever take tea breaks? And I said, no. And he goes, you know, like when you're 
when you're smoking so much, you don't get high anymore. You don't ever like take a few days off and drink this tea. I said, dude, that never happens. Uh, it used to, <laughs> but used to when I didn't know what I was doing. And then I realized I was only getting used to that same weed that I was smoking. Switch exactly. it up. Boom. There's always a better weed too. And uh, so it's a really good point. Like for me at this point, it's kind of like getting regular. I don't go to these sessions. Oh, that's the whole, see, that's the whole thing with CBDs. A lot of people, um, like, you know, you, you could take the CBDs locally, like by the pain cream, you rub it on your elbow. You got receptors in all your cells. So it's going to get externally, it's going to get the receptor right there. And some of it will leak into your internal system too. But, you know, if you take tinctures or edibles, now since it's inside of you, it kind of goes through, um, through a different way. And, uh, oh, I forgot uh, what you said that I wanted to uh, comment about with the um, shoot. That's a good weed. <laughs> um, that's, that's the thing is that if a lot of people, if, if they look, if they have something that's off, say they've been getting migraine headaches or they have anxiety or they have irritable bowel syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. If they take the CBD um, uh, orally and if, then they'll know um, people that feel completely great and healthy. If they take it and they want to know, you know, how, how they know if it's working or not, you know, you, you're not going to know it, it, it's boosting your immune system, but, but mainly it's trying to, uh, to promote homeostasis, which is exactly what you said. And that's normalized. That, I feel like if I don't smoke, I'm angry, I'm irritable. I'm showing time. <laughs> I'm just terrible. This is like awful unless I smoke. I don't know if it's if it's because I smoke too much or it's because I'm just terrible. At <laughs> <laughs> my best, you know, like I said before, it's a life enhancer, you know, spiritual enhancer. I my best when vibration is is at its highest and I and I'm you know in my best mood. Um, my, I don't I, I don't have a, a huge range of moods like a lot of. I, I very, very rarely get angry. And if I get angry, sometimes it takes me days to cool off. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's been a, uh, a natural um, default mixed with a lot of conscious effort and trying to, you know, keep my Zen um, as, uh, as balanced as can when be. When you start spin kicking people. <laughs> <laughs> but I can that home, you know, you guys, you guys heard this story, but I can be very calm. And if I think you need an ass weapon, I can say, dude, pick a hand. You know, it's coming to you. <laughs> 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 yeah. People think that they can challenge wrestlers and run up in the ring. I was watching today a video of Scott Hall just stomping a guy out and Macho Man. Like, it was just two separate videos of the NWO just trashing some dude that tried to go <laughs> into the ring like an idiot. There was a famous incident in which you wrestled Eddie Guerrero in which a fan attempted to push him off of a ladder. And I just wonder, were there any other stories like that that you were part of that might not be captured on video where you just saw a fan take a thrashing for trying to pull some uh, pull some crap on the wrestlers? Yeah, the, the, the lawsuits uh, stand out. To <laughs> I really want to talk about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, especially if you if you're by the front row, they reach over and grab grab your hair and pull it. They get they get a little carried away, and I don't know why they think they can, why they yeah. think 
Yeah, that's it's been several times like that when a wrestler got in the ring. What happened there with Eddie, he was climbing up the ladder and the fan came in and he actually pushed the ladder over. And when he did that, Eddie just landed right on his feet, you know, couldn't have been a, a better landing. And, you oh, know, no. he, that guy there. probably looked like he saw a ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we try to discourage that, you know, by, you know, by uh, using... Uh, you know, physicality. Yeah. The bottoms of yeah, your feet. Yeah. <laughs> and and shouts to Kevin Nash for not beating this guy's ass. Like you can see Kevin Nash is like, all right, he kind of diffused it, pushed him out of the ring gently. Macho man saw it and ran up like a wild dog, just like stomping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that point, I mean it, it, it's you know, you're committed. You're committed to the show. It's not like you just take a break and say, Oh, wait, hold on a second. Uh, this we didn't expect this. And it ain't like that, you know. So it's best. You know, if, if one of you guys, if you got a good guy and a bad guy, it's best for the bad guy to, you know, to take to take the heat. If there's going to be heat, you know, if there's going to be any any booze or anything like that, if it's, you know, uh, it's hard for sometimes for the, uh, for the what we call the baby face. To, <laughs> but but <laughs> <laughs> now the fans want to see them get stomped out. So, you know, I just faces I, don't have I always there. said the way you guys stayed like, you know, so patient and didn't whoop the crowd's asses like they're saying foul stuff screaming it right in your guys faces when you go over by the you know by the front row like you said and it's it's just like i'm watching and it's how do you not just turn around and you know just sweet chin music this guy you know just like get him in a headlock and just like who are you messing with whose hair are you grabbing yeah, fortunately for for most of my career everybody loves me so i don't yeah, and so, that's that's yeah. one thing. You were always very universally loved. I remember when the invasion happened as a kid, you were the one guy who I didn't despise because I was yeah. a WWF guy when everybody invaded in. I was like, oh, my God, you were just the man. And and that's one thing, too, is like you were you were voted uh, what the most popular wrestler two years in a row, 2001, 2002, which are like very, very important years in wrestling. So. I mean, to be at that pinnacle and not be one of, like, Vince's guys, it must have not been easy to make that transition, being at the very top at ECW and then going into WWE. What was it like getting used to the locker room and just moving to a new company like that? Um, it totally had its ups and downs, you know. It was like... Uh, um almost like a, like a cycle. I would, a lot of times it was extremely frustrated for me and I would feel like, no, no, this is not for me. You know, I got to get out of here. And, uh, and there'd be other times, you know, where I'd be like, dude, this is so awesome. Like when I had the hardcore belt or, mm -hmm. uh, or even we're, we're representing ECW both at the beginning and then again, you know, later on. And, and then, and then, you know, lots of lulls in between where I'd be like, Oh, I hate it. And, and then, you know, the, the monotony of the travel, like if you're, if you're not enjoying what is, what they're doing with you or, uh, or something like that, or your, your, your placement uh, in the show or something, then it makes it much harder to do that nearly possible travel yeah. and it's it's every week i forget who we had on that said it it's like all the athletes they get breaks like football they have the super bowl and then they're off you guys have wrestlemania and then raw is a big wrestlemania that next day you know like in in the wwe or you have your you know the big pay-per-view and then the next night you're right out there again and it's just like it never ends you never get that you know that break that other athletes get when I was with them from 2001 to 2006, I guess it was, or seven, 
the only time that I got off was being injured. And uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have because that's you're over. A lot of guys wish they were booked that much, but they're not because because they weren't over or they weren't you know considered marketable by whoever's the decision maker at the time whatever you know um so you look at it that way but um it's it's a grind and it's very demanding and the only and it's not it's not just uh you know a lot of people might say well i i go and you know i travel every week to this city and back but it was a different hotel every night only exception of WrestleMania, and it used to be SummerSlam. You just stay in, in yeah. SummerSlam. Maybe three, three nights in the same hotel. Otherwise, it's check in, check out, check in, check out. You know, get a, get a, rent a car, turn it back. Rent a car, turn it back. You know, get your flight. You know, get off. It gets your next flight. Get off it, and it gets pretty monotonous. So uh, you got to really love it in order for it to not destroy you. Can you imagine. When you went over to WWF, what was the biggest difference between working behind the scenes with a guy like Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon? Um, well, I still worked with uh, Paul mostly when I went to WWE. He was, you know, he was there ahead of me, and he was uh, somehow involved in the talent relations uh, as one of their agents, and so. Um, you know, I, I would still, uh, he, he was very protective of, of what they wanted to do with me. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, it was rare that I would talk w- with Vince other than just small talk in passing. Um, you know, it wasn't like, uh, I mean, Vince is a very, very busy guy. It's not like he's explaining every promo to everyone. Yeah. Um, but they would have their meetings, several times a day, you know, in the morning. And then uh, again, right before the show, I think again, right after the show and at the meeting, you know, there's uh, all these writers and agents and all the agents would be attached to certain wrestlers. And so they would be like kind of fighting it out, you know, like uh, maybe Fit Finley might be saying, no, put, I think Jericho should be getting that spot, you know, Jericho or Kane for sure. And then Paul would be like, no, put RVD there. That makes sense because of this. And then another agent, you know, trying to push somebody else. And, ah, yeah. Okay. So that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. And I was Hunter, always curious. Hunter is saying, push me, push me. Yeah. I was going to say, you got Triple H over there just marrying in. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I believe I you know I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong year but there was a point where you were not only WWE champion but you were also the ECW champion at the same time and and this is when they had relaunched ECW as a brand within WWE. So at that point to my knowledge you were the first ever to be I guess you'd call an undisputed champion up to that point in time. Uh yes. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much the highlight of everything, you know. It was like uh I was, I stuck to my guns, you know, the whole time, uh, wrestling extreme, always trying to make wrestling extreme and hardcore. And that was, that's my, my plight, I guess my, that's my journey is, is, uh, everyone tried to change me along the way. And I, and I really preferred, uh, this, this, this style, uh, not realizing how unique my one of a kind style was until way later in my career. But, uh, you know, the fans from ECW, they agreed that that ECW was their favorite product. They didn't, they didn't want to force fed the mainstream stuff. So 
uh, that, that match with John Cena was for all that momentum of, you know, the last several years of my career, uh, everything, everything that's been good about it all coming, uh, and, and the victory was, you know, for all the fans. And it was just like, everybody won when I won that championship, uh, and, and was the WWE champion. Like I changed the entire playing field by bringing ECW back, or I don't think that would have ever happened. And so that was definitely the crowning moment. And, uh, you know, two weeks later I came to Philly, that was going to be like, my return to like, that's one of my hometowns to go. That's the home of the hardcore fans. And I was going there mm-hmm. representing like, dude, I got there. We got, we got their championship. Uh, but instead that night I'm on my back looking up at the lights uh, that and uh, Paul is making the three count. And it was like such a disappointing uh, yeah. moment. All the fans going boo, and they all started throwing their drinks and, and everything into the ring. And I just felt, you know, like uh, really bad. I, I rolled off the ring onto the floor, and I think I rolled under the ring, and I was just like, oh my God, just leave me here for a few days. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's how they took it, too, right? Like, you know, of all those circumstances. Well, I mean, that's one way to look at it. You know, I never really argued that point too far because it was their decision. I mean, yeah. Uh, I got I got pulled over for speeding and uh, had uh, marijuana with me, so it was possession of marijuana, eighteen grams, because the Philly crowd was chanting it. That's how I knew because they were saying <laughs> marijuana, eighteen grams. Yeah. And oh they, man, everybody. By the time I got to the arena, everybody knew it was all over everything uh, because I was the WWE champion at the time. Yeah. So I didn't tell anybody. I was like, oh, I'll just let it blow over. And I had no choice. And then I guess because it was on every, you know, it was on TV, radio, internet, print, I, I guess that's why, you know, Vince listened to the, whoever is advisor that said, here's what we do, you know, and uh, I dropped the, uh, two titles and I was suspended for days. You know, there's always the perspective of what happened to innocent until proven guilty because that was way before my court date. Um, but, you know, like I said, I never argued the point. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And to think that they would do that, because now if you were to get pulled over and you'd have 18 grams of weed, it probably wouldn't matter at all. And it just is uh, it really is a shame. And who gets punished the most now is the fans, because we all want to see a real title run with RVD. So, hey, what can you do? Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know. My, they, I uh, sorry for, for sorry for my part in that to the fans. Well, if you ask me, it's barbaric that they punish you. You shouldn't be sorry. That's crazy. No one should ever get in trouble for weed. Come on. Now, I see you on Impact, or I saw you on Impact last year, and I saw that there was a promo taken down from Twitch. It was too risque for Twitch, but it is still on YouTube, albeit very grainy. So, from what I could decipher, you were in a bed with two women, and it was. It was very funny. So what's the backstory on that promo? Uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was I was with Katie and uh, Jennifer and uh, they filmed a I don't know what we were celebrating. We were celebrating something and uh, <laughs> and we were in bed, you know, and it was it was it was very sexual. And then uh, Twitch uh, banned impact for that. The, the band lasted like two or three days and then uh if that and then impact, you know, worked out whatever agreement with them and got and got right back on. But but it was, you know, uh, it was just something for me to shrug off because some of the fans might think that that was 
us being crazy, but when it comes down to, you know, the, uh, um, what's the right word? Uh, I don't know. We just, when you, when it comes down to breaking it down, they wrote it. It was their idea. They, they filmed it. They wanted it. They should have known that Twitch doesn't allow any mm-hmm. sexual uh, material on there. So that was all on them. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you can't tell. On, wait, that was all on them. Katie and Jennifer were on me. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I know I said this. Shout earlier. out to Katie and Jennifer. Give them a big cheers. shout out. Yes, there we go. He's raising the glass. There. We're gonna go to a quick smoke break. We're gonna come back and talk the origins, which I wanted to do earlier, and then wrap things up. Follow RVD at the real RVD on IG. He's out there. He's on other social media platforms too. Are there any other ones specifically that you'd like us to promote besides IG? Dude, it's all, I'm at the real RVD everywhere. And uh, also RVD CBD is at the same CBD on Instagram. RVDCBD.com is the website of where we are doing a lot of good business. Look at the reviews there. That's the best part is just, there's such good energy because everyone is telling me how much it's helped them, even when other CBD products didn't help them. And uh, and a lot of people don't know like what to go with. There's so much out there. How do I know what's real, what's not? RVD stuff, not only the best, not only the best but it's also been uh, the, the least expensive from what I've seen. Like, and I've been in a lot of the dispensaries. You know, that's my business. I always... And, and like you said, you're not going to just attach your name to anything. You've done your research. This is uh, it. Top-notch CBD. Go check uh, it out. We'll get back. We'll get into that more. This is The Ryan Show FM. We got Honky Wonky here to play a little bit of music. DJ and we Honky Wonky. We will be back. back this is the ryan show fm rvd in studio with us tonight and i'm just gonna get right into it because i've been waiting all night rvd the name (laughs) rob van dam you mentioned earlier it's a reference to john claude van dam and i can imagine that you named yourself that or whoever named you that because you can kick some ass in real life so what type of martial arts have you studied in i read that you studied up quite a few um Yes. Um, and my experience with martial arts, actually, if it's related to JCVD, then um, then it's because uh, he inspired me, you know, but um, I was a fan of his when uh, Bloodsport, Kickboxer, yep. uh, all those that was like, like, all the action was like, Action was the uh, the box office attraction. Then it was Steven Seagal, and then here came uh, Jeff Speakman and Mark DeCascos. This how he say his name? DeCascos, DeCascos. I don't know. I, hey, I got I, I did a movie with him that comes out actually in a couple of weeks in April. Um, Assault on VA thirty three. Nice. Okay. Uh, Michael Jai White is in it, and uh, Sean Patrick Kennedy. Bunch of like great dudes. Um, <clears throat> anyway. 
um, I was a fan and, you know, I would imitate. And I, before that, I would watch what was called uh, Chop Saki Theater. And it was dubbed um, uh, um, overseas uh, martial films that were just dubbed so their lips didn't match, you know, and, and they were nice. flying. That's how I learned to like run up trees and do backflips and stuff like that. Was run up trees, yeah. <laughs> right? But but then um, I got I actually got into kickboxing first, and I got into that because I wanted to wrestle. There was one ring in Battle Creek where I grew up, and everybody knew it sat in this guy's yard. So me and my buddies who would wrestle in the living room on the um, the couch cushions, we throw them on the floor, and we yeah, do this. Mate. <laughs> right. So we, we went knocking on his door and we said, you gotta get in your ring, man. We're gonna be wrestlers when we grow up. And and he and uh he he was like, Can you do that in front of people? We were like, Yes. And he turns out uh a promoter, he promotes kickboxing shows. So uh he would have us uh, show up to, to work out to wrestle, but we'd have to work out with his kickboxers first. And so that's how I got into kickboxing. I had an affinity for it. Um, and, uh, and I thought, uh, you know, maybe I'd pursue that even when I was training with the original Sheik, but, um, but anyway, I got into kickboxing and then, um, and then I went, then the, the Battle Creek Budokan taught, um, Aikido, Kendo and, um, and Karate. And, uh, I think I went there with a, a two week free coupon book and then got over with the guys that were, that, that were running it, you know, so they let me keep coming and, and then, uh, Academy's Taekwondo. I had like a friend that was in there and he'd come over and, and work out. I was sparring everybody because with kickboxing, it doesn't matter what art or what belt you're at. You know, you got, we'd have the gloves and foot pads and, and we'd go at it. So I was knocking guys out, even if they were, they were like, this guy's telling me he's been in it for 10 years and I'm just starting. I'm like, really? And I'm knocking your ass out. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then, uh, and then over the years, a little bit here and there, the thing I spent most time in was Kaju Kenbo uh, when I was in Savannah, Georgia, because they taught that at the Gold's Gym and the uh, Sifu Katani. Again, you know, it was just a, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe it was free for everybody, but I don't know. But he, he always invited me. I was always a guest in the class, you know, and uh, <clears throat> and I enjoyed that because that's like much like Krav Maga, except it's got it's got like five different arts in it, but it's realistic stuff that, you know, taking people's eyes out and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but uh, when I started wrestling, <clears throat> I was told by the Sheik and Sabu, you know, the Sabu uh, is, is the original Sheik's nephew. So Wow. Sabu, okay. That's I didn't realize that's crazy. Yeah. The first time I went to meet the Sheik, he put me in a ring. Uh, and with this hippie with skinny little legs, you know, and, and then the guy was like locking up with me and, you know, That's pushing insane. me down. I didn't even know what he was, what he was doing. You know, that was part of my tryout, you know, was with this guy and he ended up being Sabu. Um, so I've known Sabu longer than, than anybody in the, in the business, but. What's the chance of that too? I mean, all the history that you two are going to make. And really quick, I love how you just said uh, normal things that you do in a fight, like pull someone's eye out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> functional you know like yeah there was a lot, there was a lot of katas you got to do forms and katas to excel in the belts and, and, and memorize that on your way up but a lot of it was about you know like punching somebody in the temple you know and, and <laughs> stuff uh um you know great uh yeah you know using using facial features to control their their body you know and stuff like that like but, three uh, stooges almost 
<laughs> that is Woo! crazy. Wow. But so for the first couple of years that I wrestled, I was told just get as much ring time as you can. Doesn't matter what they do with you, what they call you. Don't worry about any of that. And uh, and so you know, a lot of guys would do it the other way around. Shouldn't I be a wrestler? I I got a good name. And, you know, I was called anything. I was called a flying tiger, international patriot. Uh, Different forms of my my real last name, Rod Zat, uh, Robbie Z. Do you ever uh, wear a mask? Any like any type of uh, mask persona? At any point? I not that I remember. I don't. Uh, I don't think that I ever did. <laughs> I don't think I ever came out in a mask. <laughs> if I did, then it. Me. But anyway, I'm just getting uh, to answer your question. A promoter in 91 said he wanted to call me Rob Van Dam. I'd never heard. I don't remember hearing that I looked like him at the time. I, like I said, I was a fan of his earlier, but um, I, I never, you know, after that, I started hearing it all the time. People would think that I'm related to him or. I, I always or, thought you were his family. Thousand percent. Yeah. Always thought you were his family. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember hearing that at all until 92. And I was like, all right, this He's going to call me that for tonight, you know, and then something else tomorrow. But it stuck. It worked. And they never really changed you up too much. Like, creatively, how much control did you have throughout the course of your wrestling career? Because you've kind of always, it's not even like yeah, a gimmick. It's just like you. It never changed like a name or anything, you know, like never changed. Uh, a lot of even like big time wrestlers would go through different gimmicks and different names. and you know. Yeah. Yeah, I never, uh, I never really wanted to do that. <laughs> um, but a lot of um, one way to look at that is, I mean, promoters trying different things because maybe what they're doing doesn't work. Another thing, though, if you look at it like actors, a lot of like actors like to play like different parts and kind of like stretch their their boundaries and do things that are, you know, more uncomfortable for the experience, you know, and I don't have as much of that in me as a lot of people. I'm pretty much consistent, uh, you know, and, and I've been in, you know, quite a few movies and stuff, but um, that doesn't mean you're going to see me singing and dancing or, or, you know, like I just, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I'm limited in that comfortable zone, whereas other people, that that's that's more for them. And, um, you know, that's how I look at, like, how many times Jericho has changed his hairdo. I'm like, <laughs> entertainer, I guess that fills the need for him, you know, changing all that up all the time and, and looking different and wearing all those different clothes and stuff. And, you know, maybe I'm boring, but uh, that's uh, that's something that even when they wanted to uh, change up and uh, it was Impact start talking to me about being a heel you know first i was like uh, uh i thought about it and i was like uh, yeah right <laughs> well it, it's that like you're you're likable it's like there's a matter of likability and like being cool you never had to like pretend to be somebody else you know you just kind of it seemed as though you were just going out and being yourself so it must just at different stages of my career of course i had different control over that you know and that mm. was Something like in, when I was in WWE in 2003 ish, uh, that was something that they tried to get me to do. Was they wanted to see me angry? You know, they really thought that's where the money was. They wanted to see me like rip my ponytail out and just be, like, <laughs> maybe rip up my strap down or something. Really get mad because they, you know, they because they never seen that. And I was always like, don't you have everybody else to do that? You know, yeah. so. I just had a different view and I was stubborn. 
Who is it that came up with your gear, your ring gear, the whole style of RVD? Did you create that yourself? Um, the yin yang on the on the tights, the whole thing. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I had the idea, and I went to this airbrush artist that was at the flea market when I lived in Savannah, Georgia, and he did motorcycle helmets and gas tanks and uh, license plates and stuff. And I asked if he could do a wrestling outfit. And I, I told bet him, they got a great flea market down there. It just sounded like Savannah, Georgia it probably has the yeah. best flea markets. The guy, you know, I told him specifically what I wanted, you know, and for the first few, I would do that. I want a dragon and a yin yang and a lightning bolt. Um, and then, uh, you know, I kept using that guy and I've always used that guy for my whole career, the same guy. So, you know, eventually, he would, you know, he, he, I trusted him to come up with his own ideas. <laughs> if I had some ideas, I'd give it to him or he would just say, Hey man, I, you know, had some fun, just, you know, inspired by this, whatever. And what do you think about this? And I'd be like, dude, I love it. So as far as the actual outfits, <clears throat> that was like both of us, you know, the style that's always been made. The, uh, you know, the yin and yang is, uh, that's, I live by that. I live by balance. I was going to say, yeah, you're in touch with the universe. Like you said, you've got a good relationship with the universe. So I want to, I just want to thank you, Rob, for coming on tonight because we do have to wrap things up. But one last question. Where does it come from? I just had a curiosity. It was Mac Daddy. I got a shout to Mac Daddy, our producer. He wanted to know where it comes from the R-V-D. Uh, sorry, I'm choking on my water. Um, <laughs> so I am a heel and... 96 in ECW. I'm wrestling Sabu and I'm new there and they loved Sabu. He was like a god there. So, so they all the fans are giving me crap, you know, uh, booing me and, and us. They're, they're cheering Sabu, you know, they'd be Sabu, Sabu. And I would, uh, I'd do something really cool. Maybe, you know, maybe leg sweep Sabu and then jump up, do a 360 leg drop, boom, and land on him. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, don't you mean Rob Van Dam? Oh, That's how it started. <laughs> um, at first, I didn't have the three pumps. I would, I would do it like early on. I need this guy right here, don't you? And I would just pump. <laughs> um, and and I was kind of inspired uh, again by JCVD because in the movie Kickboxer, uh, he wants to fight Tung Po, the you know the the lead heel, yeah. but he has has a tryout match first in front of the promoters and they this is where they do the rib kicks over and over side 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 back and forth bam 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 he knocks him out he looks up at the promoters and he goes i want Doug ball <laughs> and, and i and i was noticing like he's doing a double bicep without making it look like he's doing a double bicep and, and i like that idea so i kind of you know we're, we're kind of try to flex my arms without looking like I'm doing a double bicep and pointing myself. I really didn't know that that was anything special um, until I was in a match in Japan and we were pulling up to the uh, Budokan in Tokyo and there's a big line of fans out and the bus goes along the, the line of fans and I'm looking out the window and for the first time ever, the fans they were doing this at me. Oh. I was like, "Oh, that's that's my thing." I didn't even yeah. I didn't even realize that was. Like that's got to be the greatest feeling, you know, going to another country. Just like always talking about cheek, you know, going on the road. When you see all these people that you know mimic you, and then you see it from the yeah. fans, and especially going to another country. 
Like, like Japan, where they're good. so obsessed yeah. too. Japan is just such a funny country. Love Japan. Yeah, I've, been going, <laughs> I've been going to Japan since '93. Uh, the uh, when I first started going over there, and I've wrestled for many companies over there. But yeah, you know, like it, 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 TV is so powerful, and uh, especially WWE. They're so global, you know, as far as their reach. That uh, it's amazing to see how much as a wrestler, how much you are affecting cultures that you don't even know about, you know? I mean, I, like in India, for instance, all the kids, you know, rah, rah, dah, and they're doing my thumbs. And <laughs> yes. Sometimes you're, you know, you're in countries you don't even know about. And it's like, and I have taxi drivers tell me that all the time. They'll be like, oh, this dude, uh, you know, you are very popular in Istanbulski. I'm like, where? You know, like, I don't even, <laughs> it, it, it really is amazing, you know? Um, and it's a, it's a cool thing. I get a lot of love for it. Even though they don't know me personally, it's cool that... Um, yeah, but you, you we feel like we do. Feel like you do. If and, we uh, feel like we do. Yeah. And, uh, and yo, on that note, thank you. It's been an honor. Yeah. We're going to be plugging and promoting this CBD. I'm going to give some a try. Rob Van Dam in studio. Try that CBD. Rob, is there anything that you'd like to leave the fans off with to go check out? Uh, no, dude, I appreciate the interview. I always try to keep everybody as posted as I can. I got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, some of it I can talk about, some of it I can't. I think they've been already promoting this icon uh show that WWE is doing on me, the icon uh, documentary. It's gonna be so good. I'm excited about that, but there's gonna be bigger news before that. Um, and um, like I said before, man, 2021 is a good year. It's all coming together. That's what I like to hear. Thanks to the universe. It is all coming together. Rob, thank you very much. Mr. Cheeks, Hams Dave, myself, Ryan Vernell in studio. We're going to have to wrap things up. It's been a long night, but we're closing things out in a few minutes. A little more music by DJ Honky Wonky. Gentlemen, fellas, we will be back. Must come to an end. Yes, even this program. See, this is why we do this, gentlemen. Here on the Ryan Show FM. Ryan Show, baby. It's the Aaron Carter. Show. Rob Van Marco Polo. A slew of wonderful guests. Plus two of my I best buddies in the whole world. Aaron Carter. I thought he was going to kick your ass, dude. I Yo, Cheeks and Aaron Carter. Look it up. Marco Polo, make the Yo, Let's go. Let's go. Connecting dots. Everybody, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us at The Ryan Show. Join our Discord, The Ryan Show Universe, so you can join us. Watch us interview people live. Not just hear it on the radio. At The Ryan Show, at The Real Mr. Cheeks 132, at Hamptons Dave. Gentlemen, any last words besides go to Mr. Cheeks' birthday party on March 26th, this Friday night? 
It is going down. Mr. Cheeks, Hamptons Dave, their birthdays are coming up. So don't miss uh, these parties. Go. Ones for the ages. Folks, we'll see you at the same time and the same place next week. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening over and out. Peace.